On today's episode of the John Campia Show podcast, Shogun is coming in. Should you read the book before you watch the series? Also, the new trailer for Jake Gyllenhaal's Roadhouse has dropped, and it's pretty damn good, actually. Also, the axes swing all across studios as Halle Berry's new Netflix sci-fi film has been canceled after they already finished shooting it. Madam Web has now got its box office projections out, and it doesn't look... Well, strong. Uh, also, <laughs> speaking of Roadhouse, director Doug Lyman has written an article for Deadline absolutely blasting the studio of Roadhouse Amazon for not releasing the film in theaters. That and a whole bunch more. The John Campus Show podcast starts right now. And salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show on Planet Earth, the John Campus Show podcast, coming from right here in our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I'm, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. Not just giving you our opinions, but giving you information, background, and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or different than ours. Uh, joining us in the studio today, we got Ray Ora. Hello. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oh my God, Ray. <laughs> John- That's I, saw, I saw him still <laughs> eating, and I'm like, he either just doesn't care or he's turning this into a bit. Yep. Like but I did minutes- not see that uh, yep. happening. Two minutes before the show, I just heard Jonathan admonishing Ray. Ray, are you really going to start eating something right now? We start the show in two minutes. And now there you go. Uh, Jonathan yeah. Boyko is here. Yeah, um, not for long. <laughs> and Chris Carr is here. What are you eating? It's a s'mores yogurt, baby. Oh, okay. If anything has s'mores in it, you eat it. That's the that, rule. That's just that's... a very questionable image to have on the internet. <laughs> oh, yeah. No one is, yeah. is caffeine. No one's going to Bring it you on, gonna buddy. You are going to memes on that image, my friend. All right. And of course, uh, most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here, making this show part of your day. And here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to start off by going over those topics that I listed off. Then in the last part of the show, <laughs> we're going to take your live comments and questions. Now, we already asked our beloved YouTube channel members, thank you to all of our YouTube channel members, to fire in some topics and questions. But also, if you're watching live, and you got to be watching live, go ahead and use the Super Chat feature in the live chat and send those in, and we'll get to those near the end of the show. All right, guys. With all that down, let's get started with this. I honestly don't know that I've ever had a television show I've been more excited for than Shogun. For those of you who, who, the few of you who may have followed me ever since my movie blog days, uh, you guys will know I have always talked about Shogun. When people say, what book should they make, should they do now? Should a movie come out or a new series, whatever? Shogun, 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 Shogun. I've always said that. And then when Disney did that big Investor Days call when they made all the announcements and they said Shogun, I just about lost my piss. I just about, I mean, it just about flew all over the place. I was so freaking excited. I could not believe it. The trailers have been stunning and fantastic. And it's coming out next month. We're about four weeks away before it comes out. But do you need to have some background information on this? You need to read the book before it comes out. And that is the topic of today's Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. Listen, guys, if you've got a topic for the show and you'd like to hear your voice on our show, Go ahead and call our Mint Mobile hotline anytime 24-7 at 951-268-4259. And today's is specifically about Shogun. Check it out. 
Hey, John Crew. My name is Isaac from Los Angeles, California. Today I have a question for you guys about books, B movies, and television. I remember, you, John, you were talking about Shogun, which I'm really happy to see on Hulu, but I also figured out that Shogun is actually based on a book. Now, the main question is, should I read the book before watching the series, or do I see the series before reading the books? Or do you think it doesn't matter as long as you enjoy the source material and the product? Thank you, and have a nice day. All right, man. Thanks a lot for calling that in. And it's a great question. James Clavell's Shogun novel is fabulous and fantastic. It's, it's one of, I mean, The Hobbit was the first book I read as a kid. And I know it sounds really weird, but the next one after that was Shogun. Why, as a child, were you reading Shogun? My mom read a lot of books, and that was one of the ones hanging around. There was a sword on the cover. So, you know, that looked intriguing to me. Anyway, the miniseries they did back in the early 80s with, I think it was Richard Chamberlain, John Reese davies uh, who's, of course, Gimli in the, in the Lord of the Rings films, uh, was great. It was great. But, man, it could have been so good with a modern retelling. And now, as we look at that badass Sonata mm. on the front there, it's about to come out. All right. In asking the question about whether or not I think you need to read the book, Shogun, before watching the series, I am handicapped here because I have not seen the series. Right? I need to have watched the series if, to be able to say, hey, listen, man, you're going to be lost unless you read the book. But I basically have a general rule for myself. If there is a movie coming out or a show based on a book, I, I make sure I don't read the book before I see the movie or the show. In the case of Shogun, I mean, there's not much I can do about it. I've already read the book. In the case of The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, I've already read the books. But if there's a movie or show coming out, I don't want to have my own world built up in my head about what this show or movie should look like. I want to be able to watch the movie or the show and experience it on its own merits. So just in general, I would personally say, if you are tempted to read the book, do read the book. But I would say wait until after you've seen the series, because I think you should just let the series speak for itself. And I think we do ourselves a disservice because, again, books are just written words and then our imaginations fill in the colors, right? And if the show then or the movie doesn't match the colors you painted in your head, you're going to say, listen, we talked about that Forbes article that most people who read a book before seeing a movie will say the book was better. Most people who see a movie before reading the book will go, the movie is better. So I, I would suggest watching the show first. Anyway, Chris, as somebody who reads a lot, watches mm -hmm. a lot, all that kind of stuff, how would you address the question here about whether or not they should read the book before watching the show? Well, I have just bought this book. Um, uh. <laughs> Because I know nothing about Shogun. And when the trailer came out, I was like, oh, this looks so amazing. And you obviously gushed about this a ton. And so I wanted to read it. And it is available right now on Kindle for like six bucks. Ooh. So the audiobook, I think, is around eight, if that's more Ew. your speed. And it's digital probably book? like 12 hours. Yeah. A digital book? Ew. Yeah. Well, that way I don't take up as much space and I don't kill as many trees. And it's on, like, I walk, like the tactile feel of a book. all your books on your ta but, tablet. Yeah. But I also, I live, I live in an 800 square foot apartment with a vocal booth inside it, right? Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> space is limited. I don't have a dining room table. Um, there's only some books and a TV and a bed. I'm really excited to read it, but I totally understand that perspective because there is something that's a really big bummer about 
watching something that you've read and you've envisioned and then having it not meet your visualization. Right. Because we all do the thing, right? We we all do bring our expectations into movie theaters. We try not to, but we do. But it's particularly hard when you've read a book and it just doesn't live up to it. Um, you know, anytime you've gone to see an Alan Moore adaptation is the thing that I can always go think of is obviously that one is very visual. You can put that together. But I remember being in the theaters having not read V for Vendetta and thinking that was incredible. And then my friends who had read V for Vendetta were like, this is dog shit. Right. <laughs> right? You just have your own kind of voice of how everyone sounds. You have your own kind of idea of the aesthetics and the delivery and everything. So it's really up to you. If you want to have that kind of world building already, cool. If you want to read it afterwards, I kind of like that version sometimes of then going, oh, I wonder what I missed. I wonder that they didn't adapt. I wonder what was different in here to see kind of the differences between. I actually go in reverse. If I actually watch the film that, that I'm not familiar with the book, uh, if I like it enough, I'll go back and try to read the books. The only exception- That's what is, I do too. Yeah, the only exception is The Martian. And this is the only reason why I was in Target and then it was on sale for dirt cheap. So I bought it. I didn't think I was going to read it, but it hooked me right from the beginning and it didn't ruin the movie for me. I just wish it was longer. There's more details in the book that I wish that they went over, but the movie is already long already. Yeah. But I was satisfied on both ends. I, I read that book twice. I, I hardly read any books at all. So I read that book twice over again. And a lot of the parts in the movie hit me different. Like I watched it with Dennis and the part where uh, they, they say Mark, uh, Mark Watson is alive. Like when they, when they find out he's alive. I was so emotional in the theater because I knew how that read in the book. Right. It was so good in the book. Like, it, it, yeah. So it worked for me. It worked for me. Yeah, I like I, I read the the Hunger Games books after I saw the movies. Actually, and you know, you're right, Chris, because you read a character and your head makes up what their voice sounds like. Mm -hmm. You read a line and your head makes up how they said that line. The only time I've seen a movie where it felt like the the pictures in my head from reading the book were coming to life. I remember it was first time watching Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. I, I remember just as Gandalf is on as that little cart, my father's hood, and he's rolling into the Shire. And then those wide sweeping shots of the Shire and Hobbit. And I'm like, I almost, I almost wept. It was like, this is exactly what I had pictured in my mind. But most of the time, you don't have that experience. How do you read those Lord of the Rings books? Because I watched the first Lord of the Rings. I said, I'm going to start reading the because I wanted to know what happened. They're very because detailed. I didn't know it was a three, lot of walking. I didn't know it was three books. So when, when Lord of the Rings ended, I was like, what? Wait, what? that's it? So I wanted to get ahead. I couldn't even get through the first three pages because I was like, what language is this? Why is there a lot of thighs and uh, what, what are they referring to? I just, it just didn't work for me. It's uh, it's you just got to get your uh, right mindset. Yeah, that's yeah, all. Yeah, Read Lord of the Rings. Well, not anyway. to mention, yeah, it's his own language too. Right. So. Yeah. Guys, go ahead. Read it. Don't read it. <laughs> go ahead. Just make sure you watch Shogun. I haven't done an after show in a long time. We are doing an after show. Oh. I, I will be doing an after show for the Shogun episodes. What about Avatar? <laughs> Nah, nah, because everybody, everybody knows what happens in Avatar already because they've seen the animated series. But Shogun, ah, all right. With that down, guys, let's move on to this. You know, a, a number of years ago, they announced they were going to do a Roadhouse reboot. And I don't know how many of you remember this, but the person for like a year who was supposed to star in it was Ronda Rousey. <laughs> and, and listen, I'll, I'll admit at the time there was something that was kind of novel about that except ronda rousey 
can't act <laughs> like all, at all. <laughs> you can't make her the lead character in the movie. It just ain't going to work. Now, eventually that got retooled and Jake Gyllenhaal was going to play Dalton and Doug Lyman, who directed Swingers, Born Identity, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I worked with Doug on Jumper. I've actually met Doug. He's he's really nice guy from the you know, little interactions I've had with him. He got brought him on to direct. It's like, great. And we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Well, the trailer for Roadhouse has come out. And I'll tell you what, other than, uh, what's his name? Colin, uh, Connor McGregor's uh-huh. horrible acting. Come on, man. That was, no. that was horrible I, acting. I disagree. Hey, fellas, I hope you're having a smashing night when Booby's on the job, it gets done. I, I don't think his name was Booby. I just made it up because I forgot his name. Anyway, he had, he had one, one tone, but whatever, he looked, <laughs> he looked pretty badass. Conor McGregor looked pretty good. I hated him. I, he made For me all the him. right reasons, though. Right, like right, right. For the good right, reasons. Right, right. I don't like him now. <laughs> Listen, I love the original Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. I, I just, I just love it. Be nice. Then be nice. Then I'll tell you when it's time to not be nice. It's it's like just one of the great classic grr guy movies. It's just fantastic. And I've always thought that a modern retelling of it would be great. And I, listen, I don't know. Maybe the movie will be trash. But the trailer is living up to the promise. When he's just like about to get into the, this big fight with these guys, says, okay, before we start, do you guys have insurance? Where's the closest hospital? And then he beats the crap out of them with nothing but slaps. I, I love that when people are get, get us underestimated or, or or like they they just come out of the woodwork like you you don't you don't know who you're messing with. I love movies like that. Like like those movies get to me. Like that's a cliche in a movie that will never get old. Well, it's it's very much a reacher thing too, right? We just love seeing a badass good guy beat the living crap out of the bad guys, right? There's something very visceral about right. that. But Jake Gyllenhaal, I think, is one of our generation's great actors. You mean Yoke Gyllenhaal? <laughs> Yoke yeah. Gyllenhaal. Yeah, because this looking guy good is in this. I, again, I just think it looks great. Chris, you had a chance to watch the trailer. What did you think about it? I mean, it looks like exactly what it's supposed to be. It's a it's a brawl movie, right? <laughs> and the original Roadhouse is super super fun, super super violent, and I'm hoping we have that level of violence here. Frankly, um, the throat pull is so good. It doesn't look like um, they're going to skimp on the violence. I think they're going to lean into it. And and you know, to your point, Ray, yeah, I hope no one likes Conor McGregor in this. <laughs> Him playing a likable character would be so challenging. Yeah. Right, because of the everything about Conor McGregor. <laughs> This makes sense for him here. <laughs> I think Jake Gyllenhaal's doing a great job in this. I'm interested to see how much they kind of pull from the original one, too, if we're going to really lean into more than just a Mr. Rogers attitude, but also being a philosopher, right? Really having this kind of whole mindset about how one acts. Um, and I love to see Jessica Williams in this. I think she's such a treasure. She's so good on shrinking. She's so good in everything she does. And I know that this cast is going to be fun. Did anybody see when it, when it premieres on Amazon? Uh, March 21st. Okay, in March. Now, it's having its quote-unquote premiere at the South by Southwest Film Festival, and the director is not going to go. We're going we're gonna to talk about that mm-hmm. a I'm, little I'm, bit later in the show. I'm actually trying to see when Conor McGregor's fight with that. Uh, what's his next opponent? And They're doing the UFC fighter right now? He hasn't fought forever. I don't know. I know, but I'm just hoping this film. I think he was supposed to fight Michael Chandler, but yeah, that's, Michael Chandler. that's been oh, that delayed like 100 times. Oh, I don't know okay. if it's ever actually going to happen. Because I was going to say this movie better release before then because I don't think he could beat. I, I, I love Conor McGregor. Oh, no, he can't beat Michael he Chandler. Can't. 
Yeah. No, no, no. He can't beat Michael Chandler. Anyway, guys, question is, what did you think about the trailer? I straight up loved it. I mean, I don't know if the movie's going to be good or not, but the trailer was great. Whatever you guys thought, jump down to the comments and let us know what you think. All right. With that down, let's go on to this, shall we? Halle Berry just finished shooting a movie. Done shooting. Supposed to go to Netflix. So we call the mothership. And Netflix, after the film has finished shooting, has canceled it. Done. Now, this, of course, has been something we've been seeing a bunch of lately, right? Obviously, there was the big obvious one with the Batgirl situation. Then there was the Scooby-Doo situation. There's been one or two other smaller ones. And now this Halle Berry one. This one comes to us from Screen Rant, who writes the following. Netflix has canceled the Halle Berry science fiction movie, The Mothership. The movie, which was written and directed by Matthew Charman and starred Barry. The movie, which was shot in 2021, followed Sarah Morse, Halle Berry, and her children who discover that an alien object beneath their farmhouse may be linked to the disappearance of Sarah's husband. The, per, uh, the reason for the cancellation is the movie's extended post-production process with those concerned determining that the movie, quote-unquote, could not be completed. Let me interpret that for you. <clears throat> We don't think this movie's worth it. Uh, and because we're a streaming service, the movie's not actually going to make any money for us. And we don't want to spend... They came back to us and said it was going to cost more for post-production than we originally thought. And we don't think it's worth it to put up the money to finish post-production. So we're just going to let it die. That's the interpretation. And look, this is part of the reality of the streaming formula. The streaming paradigm is right now until more and more that 40% of new subscribers, but it's still right now a tiny percent of subscribers are subscribed to the ad tier. So these, they can put this on Netflix. Don't put it on Netflix. It's not going to make them any money. So Netflix is now saying, well, you know, this movie shot almost three years ago and now they're saying they need a little bit more money for post-production and uh, yeah, we don't think it's worth it. And, and they pulled the plug. It's a business decision. And I know, look, I, I know everybody's going to say, you know, well, they, you know, Hallie deserves to have the movie finished and everybody worked on it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's their money. It, like for you, if you're, you know, if you hire a bunch of contractors to work on your house and then you suddenly decide you don't want the new, you know, deck in the backyard. Yep. I mean, yeah, those contractors have worked long and hard, but it, it's your money. It's it's your house. If you don't want it, you don't want it. it but you sucks, know what? But your neighbors deserve to see that deck and to decide for themselves. That's right. The neighbors deserve to see the deck, and they should be the ones to decide. Now, nah, if it's your money, it's, it's your money, and they didn't want to put up the money. It, and unfortunately, I, and I said when the Batgirl thing happened, I said, you're going to see more of this happening. Uh, I as the realities of the streaming paradigm manifest themselves, this is going to happen more and more. And I, I read the synopsis right now, and what a bummer, man! It sounds like such a good, like a good uh, premise for a movie. Like I, I at least interests me. Now I'm sure Netflix will let them go and shop it around to see if somebody else wants to pay for it, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Anyway, Chris, this is becoming a bit of a trend. Yeah. We're, we're seeing this more and more. I, again, it's a film that wasn't completed but all the shooting was done and anyway what do you make of this listen call me old-fashioned but i like to be cut from a film once it's released in theaters okay i like to have everybody watching a tv show where i'm supposed to be in it and then i go oh nope 
So I, I don't like this trend. I don't like this trend at all. And I understand that it is business. I understand that it's the entertainment industry, right? I understand this isn't art being made for the sake of art and everything. There is a bottom line here. But it is just so disheartening to see projects over and over again being written off like this for tax purposes. I'm not making those decisions, though, so I have the ability to be bummed out by it from that kind of man it's such a shame because anytime you make something it's so hard and I wish people got to get eyes on it because even if a movie is really bad or even if a tv show is really subpar people worked hard on it and you you do want to celebrate at least their efforts but man I also keep wondering why things are getting greenlit why things are going through production why things are going so far off from where they need to be and then being scrapped at the end here. I don't know. I feel like there's a, there's a lot of just producer decisions, executive decisions, and then obviously showrunners and the people in charge of the actual production that, that are going really awry for this to keep happening. Do, and, and making a movie is, Well, that, like, that's kind of the like, thing. Are they like, oh, we just watched it at the end. Of, we'll just watch it all together. Yeah. Of and Did you like, not oh. look back at your footage? Are we, yeah. do, are we keeping the lens cap on? What's happening? <laughs> you it's, can't it's, take my picture. Yeah, just because... <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a little odd. It, making a movie is so hard. Um, but like anyone who has done, I've only done production on that end on like the short film level. And, and even that you look back and you check out those dailies, like Jonathan brought up, you look at all these things, you troubleshoot in the moment. Typically you don't wait till the end. And that's the trend that I think is so odd that we keep waiting till we're kind of screening it for people or, or we've got everything in the can and then we get rid of it. It's just a little odd. Well, see this, what I think is happening here. Cause remember we did that story a few weeks ago about the guy who got all the money from Netflix to make oh, a movie right. and years on, he just, he just took the money. He just yeah. never made anything. What I think happened here is that with the drawn out process, post-production process, what I think ultimately happened here was that they kept going back to Netflix saying, oh, we need more money to finish the film. We need more money than we had planned or budgeted for to finish the film. And they just made the decision. Um, nah. No, we're not going to give you more money. We said how much we would spend on this movie and we're not going to spend more. And so <clears throat> now the question will be, will somebody else pick it up? And, and I'm sure since Netflix has already put in money, it's not like the producers can just go and shop it somewhere else. Whoever picks it up is also going to have to pay Netflix a bunch of money because Netflix has already sunk a bunch of money into it. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all turns out. All right, guys, with that down, we still got to talk about the opening box office projections for the new Sony Spider-Verse film. Madam Web have come out and they are not big. Um, <laughs> and... Roadhouse, the new Jake Gyllenhaal film we were just talking about, the director of the film has just gone public and railed against Amazon, the studio, uh, for how they're handling the film. We're going to talk about those things, but before we get to that, we're going to take a few moments here and thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast, our friends at Manscaped and Factor. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Manscaped. Roses are red, violets are blue, trim your balls, and your date will thank us too. What's up, guys? Valentine's Day is knocking, and Manscaped is the remedy for what the love doctor ordered. His prescription? The all-new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, designed to elevate your grooming game and shine like the beast you are. Join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com to get 20% off plus free shipping with the code Campia. Guys, listen, like a lot of you, I used to shave my package like the Neanderthals did, using, you know, the clippers on your electric razor, but that's 
that's not what you need for excellence on Valentine's Day. So let's talk about the hero of Valentine's Day, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. This electric trimmer features skin-safe technology guarding your Valentine's Day treasure against any grooming mishaps. This package also features the Weed Whacker 2.0 nose and hair trimmer, Manscaped liquid formulations, and two free goodies, the Shed Travel Bag and Boxers 2.0, because comfort is king for all my guys. So elevate your grooming game routine and set the stage for a romantically smooth celebration. So guys, get 20% off and free shipping with the code Campia at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Campia because your grooming upgrade awaits ready to charm your Valentine's dates. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Factor. Get started on your resolutions with Factor so you're ready for the new year. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery store and prep work because you know what? Sometimes we just don't feel like prepping our own meals. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. Forget frantic lunch preps and rushed dinners. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon in the new year. Fuel up fast with restaurant-quality meals all delivered right to your door. And Factor now offers loads of snack options like breakfast, smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep me going no matter what's on the schedule. It's time to skip the overpriced takeout trap. Factor is cheaper and way more delicious than takeout. And Factor is flexible. Change your order order up every week with plans from 4 to 18 meals per week or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. So guys, head to factormeals.com slash campia50 and use the code campia50 to get 50% off. That's code campia50 at factormeals.com slash campia50 to get 50% off. And thank you to our friends at Manscaped and Factor for sponsoring today's episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys, that down. Let's get into this, shall we? The Sony Spider-Verse has been hit and miss. I think everybody can agree on that. Uh, from the animated front into the Spider-Verse, across the Spider-Verse, masterpieces. I really love the first Venom film. I like the second Venom film. Uh, more, yeah, Morbius. Uh, then Morbius happened. And then they've got a couple of things coming out that might look like they could be Morbius. Although I'm, I'm still looking <laughs> forward to seeing Craven. I'm looking forward to seeing it, although I, I I fully admit it could end up being a Morbius-level thing. I love that you're being an optimist. I Good choose for you. to be optimistic. Good for you, man. A Morbius-level event. <laughs> a Morbius-level <laughs> event. And then we got Madam Web. And I'm a little torn on Madam Web. Because I think the premise of it sounds really interesting. The breakdown of the premise of the movie is a, is a great foundation for a good story. But then I saw the trailer. And while there are upsides to the trailer, all the dialogue came across as so wooden. I'm like, this is your, and your trailer is supposed to be you putting your best bits forward, right? And I was going to say something, but I'm not. So you would think, is, is that the best execution of dialogue from the movie is in this trailer? Because that was awful. So I don't know. Anyway, how will it do at the box office? Will it make like $800 million like Venom did? Sure. Will it make lunch money like Morbius did? Who knows? Well, <laughs> Box Office Pro has now put out their opening weekend projections, and they're not what you would call strong. 
Uh, this comes from CBR who wrote the following. Box Office Pro reveals that the film is currently being tracked to open domestically with 25 to 35 million in its opening weekend. Side note, that's actually higher than what Argyle is projected to open at. At, at any rate, if that happens, then Madam Web will actually have the lowest grossing domestic opening weekend ever for a Sony Spider-Man film. It could also become the lowest grossing Marvel movie of 2024 if it finishes its domestic run in the 56 to $101 million range as track. So a 25 to $35 million opening weekend. Now, there are two sides to this coin. <laughs> On the one side, that's not a good number for a comic book film. I mean, it's just not. <clears throat> There's no way to spin it to say this is a hit. However, Madam Web is not Fast X that cost $340 million to make. Mm -hmm. Madam Web is not the Marvels that cost like $220 million to make. The production budget on Madam Web is $80 million. With a production budget between, or sorry, with a marketing budget between 50 to $70 million. That means the hard line number for breaking even is $150 million, which means after theatrical cuts and whatnot, you're talking about a film that needs to make somewhere between $225 and $250 million to break even. And opening to, let's go on the high end, 35, and this isn't being optimistic, this is true. If you do open to 35, and if the movie's good, which might be a huge leap, but if it's good, we don't know, <laughs> then it worldwide being able to track down $225 million to $250 million is not out of range. Now, if it opens to $15 million, that might be out of range. But if it opens to like $35 million bucks and then has like a full domestic run of like, say, 100 to $125 million, it's not unreasonable to think it could pick up another $100 million world uh, internationally. Could break even. But whether it breaks even or not, this number tells us Sony has not done a good job to get people excited about Madam Web. Doesn't matter how much it costs to make. Doesn't matter if it was very budget friendly. The bottom line is, if you've got 25 to $35 million coming out of worth of people coming out to see your movie opening weekend, that means you have not done a good job marketing this film. And I can say that very confidently because I'm interested in this movie because the premise sounds good and I thought the trailer suffers. Suffers. So, I mean, and if the movie's bad, which a lot of people seem to think it will be, I, I hold out hope. I choose to be more optimistic. But if it's bad, man, when's the last time an $80 million comic book film lost money? It's, it's been a beat. So anyway, Chris, you see these numbers being bantied about. How should Sony be looking at this? So what's your take? I'm shocked. I'm so shocked. <laughs> I'm blown away. Uh, Sony needs to get their poop in a group, man. I understand they've got limited access to, yeah. <laughs> to the, <laughs> the Spider-Man. all on this Madam Web movie. Yeah. I, they've got limited access to some of the like high caliber spider people, right? Some of the more recognizable ones. Here we have three different people who have donned various spider identities, uh, aside from Madam Web here. You know, you've got two spider women, you've got a spider girl in there, Aranya. Um, and not a lot of people know about these characters, particularly Aranya, because she kind of came and went in the comics, and most of them are later iterations too. But we see for a quick second in the trailer, right, that they're going to become spider people. Ooh, but no Spider-Man. 
And that's all we get. And then we have this weird kind of like Nick Cage, I can see the future. Let's rewind. Let's go back and figure this out situation with our Madam Web that is kind of sort of like her powers, but not really in the comics, right? The the trailers here just don't do anything justice. And I honestly, I, I feel the same way I did going into Morbius of, if this is the best thing you have to show me to get excited about this movie, I don't really think you've got a lot in here for me. And, and I'm shocked we haven't gotten a second trailer. Nope. Since this movie is just a couple of weeks away now. Exactly. And that's the other thing here is you got to build up the anticipation. And I know Marvel in the past has done some trailers where we get way too much information. And that's a slippery slope, too, of telling us too much about the story, not telling us enough. If you're not going to give me a second trailer, though, I just feel like you don't even believe in your movie. Mm. I'm wildly disappointed because I love the idea of four women leading a superhero film. Say MCU all you want. I don't give a shit. I think it'd be really, really fun to have four strong women dealing in the story. And right now, I'm not particularly excited about this. This is not how I plan to spend my Valentine's Day. I'll tell you that for free. Yeah. And again, with this movie coming out February 14th, Mm -hmm. what a a day of romance. Go see Madam Web. Um, Bore your way into her pants, gentlemen. Anyway, so... (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Maybe the movie would be great. I mean, uh, that's where all the single guys are going to be. I'll I'll see y'all there. I I still, true story, I still remember the first, when I first moved to Los Angeles and I moved into Hollywood, I lived in an apartment right in Hollywood and right beside a a big grocery store. And I remember on Valentine's Day running down to grab some, some stuff to make dinner with. Guys, the Los Angeles stereotype is true. The number of single women I saw in that grocery store just buying individual bottles of wine for themselves was crazy. It's like a big stereotype in LA and there it was. Um, Anyway, this is something with just like three weeks away from the movie, the fact that we haven't gotten a second trailer. Now that doesn't tell me that they're not confident in the film. There's a lot of things they could do to be not confident. Like for instance, holding the review embargo until the day before the movie comes out. But maybe they're just thinking, you know what? We're just going to hold hold and then boom release some big trailer or something like that but it better be something big because right now this is not exciting anybody so um here's hoping (laughs) it turns out to be something good all right guys with that down let's move on to this shall we it is not often you will hear a director go pure scorched earth on its on his own studio on basically the eve of when his next big movie is coming out with that studio. Of course, we saw it a while ago when the great Denis Villeneuve went off on Warner Brothers for how they managed thing making Dune a day and date release. We obviously saw Chris Christopher Nolan go off as well, but Doug Lyman, the director of the new Roadhouse movie coming out, he was supposed to be going to South by Southwest for the premiere of the new movie. But according to Deadline, he is not going. And the reason he is not going is because he wrote his own op-ed for Deadline basically just bashing Amazon for their release strategy with this movie. And we normally only read short clips, but I thought we should read certain chunks of this because it's, it's pretty spicy. The headline, of course, reads, Doug Lyman says he's boycotting South by Southwest premiere of his Jake Gyllenhaal film Roadhouse to protest Amazon MGM bypassing theaters for prime streaming releases. Uh, This is what it says. When Roadhouse opens, 
the South by Southwest Film Festival, I won't be attending. Remember, Doug's writing this himself. The movie is fantastic, maybe my best. And I'm sure it will bring the house down and possibly have the audience dancing in their seats during the end credits, but I will not be there. My plan had been to silently protest Amazon's decision to stream a movie so clearly made for the big screen. But Amazon is hurting way more than just me and my film. If I don't speak up about Amazon, who will? So here we go. When Amazon bought MGM, one of the few remaining studios making big commercial films for a theatrical release, movies like Bond, Creed, they announced that they, Amazon said, that they would put a billion dollars into theatrical motion pictures, releasing at least 12 films a year. They touted it as the largest commitment to cinemas by an internet company. I can tell you what they then did to me and my film Roadhouse, which is the opposite of what they promised when they took over MGM. The facts. I signed up to make a theatrical motion picture for MGM. Amazon bought MGM. Amazon said, make a great film and we will see what happens. So I made a great film, if he says so himself. We made Roadhouse a quote-unquote smash hit. Amazon's words, not mine, by the way. Roadhouse tested higher than my biggest box office hit, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It tested higher than The Born Identity, which spawned four sequels. I'm told the press response has been Amazon's best since they bought MGM. Roadhouse has a strong tie into the UFC, which has a rabid and loyal fan base that has spawned over 1.5 billion social media impressions for the film, and marketing hasn't even started yet. Well, it did today with the dropping of the trailer. The action is groundbreaking. And Jake Gyllenhaal gives a career-defining performance in a role he was born to play. Audiences will want to see UFC megastar Conor McGregor eh, uh, take his debut swing at Jake on the big screen. The reality is there's nothing quite so fun as a good fight. So this is where he kind of then gets into the personal stuff. What else could I have delivered to the studio? Nothing, it turns out, because contrary to their public statements, Amazon has no interest in supporting cinemas. Amazon will exclusively stream Roadhouse on Amazon Prime. Amazon asked me and the film community to trust them and their public statements about supporting cinemas, and then they turned around and are using Roadhouse to sell plumbing fixtures. And it goes on. And it goes on. This is a director of a movie that's about to come out bashing the studio that he worked with to make it. Now, something does need to be pointed out. Whereas Doug Lyman said, I signed on to make a theatrical film, he does not have it in writing as a contract that guaranteed this film would be going to theaters. This isn't the same as the uh, Scarlett Johansson situation where she had it in the contract and thus sued Disney and won because they caved. This isn't one of those situations. They, they never gave it to him in writing that they would release it in cinemas. But even if it's not in contract form, he raises a very good point. Amazon swore to us that they would be putting a billion dollars a year and 12 feature theatrical films a year. And they have not lived up to that. And Doug Lyman, who's sitting there like, hey, you told me to make a great movie. I think I just made the best movie I ever made. The director of Swingers and Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Born Identity, he's saying, I think I just made my best film. 
You said make a great film. You, Amazon, are telling me it's testing higher than anything else you've tested. Okay, you said make a great film. Here it is. And you're going to use it to sell toasters. Now, <laughs> one of the really interesting things that he points out, which is a, a very good point, he says this. Something Rob and I have been saying for years. They're not mutually exclusive. In fact, Doug Lyman says, data shows that movies do better on streaming if they have been released theatrically first. This is where I don't understand Amazon's mindset. You want this to do well on streaming? Put it in theaters. Because movies that go to theaters first, this is, this is not subjective. This is objective data. The data is proved. You put something in theaters first, it will do better on streaming mm -hmm. than if you sent it straight to streaming. And Doug Lyman at this point is just flabbergasted. Now again, you might rightfully say to me, John, it's Amazon's money. You were just talking about how, hey, it's the studio's money, it's the studio's project, they can do what they want. And that's true. But they did make a commitment, publicly stating, 12 theatrical films a year, $1 billion of investment. We are getting behind this and doing this. And then this movie that Doug Lyman signed up to do, who they told him, yeah, 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 we, we, uh, this could go to theaters, maybe we'll see, we'll see. And then to, to pull it out. Listen, Doug Lyman's putting his career on the line writing this. I don't know if you knew this, Amazon's a powerful company. And he felt so strongly about this that he didn't just put it out on Twitter. He wrote an op-ed for Deadline to bash this company because he believes they are not living up to the promises that they have made. And honestly, and I say this as somebody who just put in a big Amazon order last night, I love Amazon, but he's right. He's right. Anyway, Chris, uh, you saw this. I mean, whether or not Roadhouse ends up being the best film he's ever yeah. made or that it is Cinema. a career-defining performance by Jake Gyllenhaal, you mean the same guy who did Nightcrawler? You're saying this is career-defining? Yeah. Whatever. But uh, what do you make of his comments like, and the fact that he even felt the need to come out and say like, them? Doug, have you seen Love and Other Drugs? He's real good in that. <laughs> He's done a really great job. This is just such an odd choice for a multitude of reasons. One, to your point, how are you going to truly make money off of this film if it doesn't have a theatrical release? Sure, you can put it after a bounty commercial, but uh, what are you going to do? Right? When the other thing here you. is we have such a sparse lineup of films this year. Yep. There are so few films coming out, particularly in the first quarter of this year. Yeah. This would do well. This would do really well. No, but it would do well. And just historically, films that have been set to open South by, things like Bridesmaids or Everything Everywhere at All at Once, that has bode really, really well for them at the box office afterwards. Those kind of tentpole films, or I mean, everything everywhere at once ended up being kind of one. No one really thought that at first, but you know, it ends up really, really getting a lot of momentum for these movies to make money. It's a cult classic. Yeah. It's a cult classic movie remake with a stacked cast that's going to be wildly violent. 
I Crazy. feel like I feel like this is a no-brainer yeah. to put it in theaters at the very least for a limited theatrical run because again time and time again we see that if you just put a movie in theaters for just a short amount of time it does <clears throat> bananas well on streaming it gets people to not just even wait till it's free on their streaming service they'll actually rent it again after they've seen it in theaters because yeah. it gets a little FOMO yeah exactly. Ooh, yeah like, oh, I would love to go see that uh-huh. again but that Showtime doesn't work I'm so glad I can work at it watch it at home me and my friends will watch it for twenty bucks no big deal we'll all pitch it and get yep. a pizza. It's so, so silly to not put this in theaters. And I absolutely understand the frustration here. I think it's a hard sell that he's doing, but I get it. It seems so, so short-sighted to not do this. And I don't know why so many companies keep making this choice. We saw it over and over again with Pixar, you know, putting things like Luca, Soul, uh, Turning Red. Which they're now on an apology tour for. Exactly. We've got, you know, we've got Tenet going back to theaters too. The model doesn't work this way, and it's been proven. You can't. You can make some money on streaming, but not to the extent mm-hmm. you can if you do the theatrical run first. We know this guy agrees with that. Yes. Yeah. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing <laughs> over and over again, expecting different results. Why in poo perfect heaven is everyone doing the same thing over and over again going, now nah, this time we're going to make bank. It's like they're going to outsmart the market. Yeah. It's just like, what are you doing? They, they need to at least put this in theaters for two weeks at least. Yeah. Like, I mean, like I was run. entertained by this trailer. Yeah, I, like I, the trailer. I, I was very, if you put it on Amazon, Amazon Prime Video is like the last place I go to try to watch something. It's the last, it's in the back. It's not even in the, in my head. Like, Oh yeah, I keep forgetting I have Prime Video. If you put it on there, I'm not watching this film because I'll gonna, forget. It's going to get overlooked. I'll forget. 100. So, it's going to uh, get overlooked. Yeah. At least two weeks. I want to watch it with the boys or whatever, whoever you watch it with, because you want to you want to see that action. This right? should be a night group. out. This yeah, movie should this be a, a night out or whatever night out. You know what I mean? Gotta learn is, some slap now, skills. Let's to, to bring in my sports analogies, which everybody loves. I have never seen a basketball player get called for a foul. And then complain about it to the ref and have the ref go, you know what? You're right. I changed my mind. Never seen a ref change their mind. I don't see Doug Lyman writing this article changing Amazon's mind. But let me put it to you three. Is there any chance? I mean, because this wasn't just some tweet. He deadline featured this as an article. He didn't op-in for this on deadline. Any chance at all that Amazon reads this and goes... Fine, we'll do the Ray Aura. We'll we'll give it a two well, week. Do you think there's any chance there's to do be, that? There, it's starting to pick up momentum. Yeah. I, I think what it I think what it does though is it now future deals with other directors, they're going to be a little more leery about working with them. And, you know, so it went to deadline. Everyone's picked it up. IndieWire just an hour ago was like, yep, Doug Lehman is right. It should be in theaters. It's going to get the ball rolling. Exactly. And and if that ball gets big enough, heavy enough, I don't see how Amazon doesn't try to at least put it in the theaters for at least two weeks. All right, Heavy balls even get if stuff they pull going. after a theater take fifty million, I mean that's fifty million yeah. they didn't have before. Exactly, and it'll make the streaming thing more popular. But let okay, and the movie. Let, let me cheap. put on the tinfoil hat. All right. Any chance this is a work? Any chance? Two, two, this, oh, so they're in on it. Amazon and Doug Lyman in on this together. It's like because remember, you know Vince McMahon. Made the WWE super popular by making himself the villain in the 90s, right? That's what put put over the thing, the whole Steve Austin era. Is there any chance so here Amazon, Amazon and Doug Lyman are like, hey, Doug, write this angry article. Say, Amazon's screwing me. It worked. Get that out there. And then we'll come in and go, you know what? 
Doug Lyman's right. This should be in theaters. And look at all the free publicity morons like me are giving it right now. I mean, is, I possible. Is, is there any chance yes. this is a work? Yes. I mean, yes. all I can think of is Bo Burnham just going, art is a lie. Nothing is real. <laughs> I don't think it is, but yes, it is very possible. Can you give me some more of that Kool-Aid? You want me to go Because I'm drinking yeah. this. You want to drink more of that Kool-Aid? I'm a big cup of this. Okay. I'm fine with it. Fine. Yeah. If you want to see, if people want to see this movie, you already got me like going, come on, at least two weeks, one week. Do one week. No, no, full theatrical release. What's a full theatrical? I thought if it just releases in a theater, that's called a full theatrical. No, no, wide. no, no. wide release. Wide release, not with just a, limited with a full cities. theatrical window. Give it, give it like six weeks in theaters. No, six weeks is too long. No, it's not. That's no. standard. That's standard. Uh, one week, baby. Okay, now you're no, back. You know what? Go pack, work at Amazon. Packing pack all, all the sweaties in one week. Packing all the sweaties in one week. Shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> raise an Amazon. Raise an Amazon plant. Raise an Amazon plant. So, I don't know, but 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 I will say this. Um, let's let's look away from the tinfoil hat aspect of it for a second. Um, Amazon needs to take a good hard look at themselves. They made nobody forced them to do it. They came out and voluntarily made a public promise. We're going to put twelve theatrical films in theaters every year. We're going to commit a billion dollars to releasing these films every year. Got to live up to this promise. And you got a film like this that looks really good. Why not this one? There's our hats. So we got our hats on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is a work. Amazon's going to come out tomorrow with a statement. All right, guys. With all that down, let's now move on to the important part of the show, which is to take your comments, questions, and observations. Now, before we do that, though, we're going to take another quick second and thank another sponsor of today's episode, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. On average, it takes about 30 days for a person to break their New Year's resolution. So if saving money was on your 2024 list, your odds aren't looking that great. Luckily, I have a 100% guaranteed way to save you money this year. Just switch to Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. I've told you guys many times that after switching to Mint Mobile, I am spending less than a third on my cell bill than I used to with a major carrier. Say goodbye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. All Mint plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And don't worry about having to change phones or numbers. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So guys, to get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash that's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bills to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for being my mobile service provider and for sponsoring the episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys, with that all down, let's get over to your questions here, shall we? Chris, what do we got up first? From Michael Jones, sending in a $20 super chat. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Michael. One of two. uh, Color Purple opened on Monday, Christmas Day, and made $18 million. It then fell hard, made $11 million its first full opening weekend, and on Monday, New Year's Day, made 86% less than Christmas Day. It made almost one-third. Ooh, another 20 for his part, too. Michael, you you generous guy. uh, almost a third of its domestic box office on its opening day. The person who sent a super chat to you on Tuesday's open mic asked if this should be investigated. I think it's just an extremely front-loaded movie. 
Movie's hard to watch. No, listen, guys, we've talked about this all the time. The number one movie-going day of the year is Christmas Day. That is the number one movie-going day of the year. Um, so that's why they release it. Some films get released on that day. And that's why you see it making $18 million. It then went on to make $11 million on its opening weekend and then have a very natural 60% drop. And we keep trying to explain to people a, a normal drop from weekend one to weekend two is between 50 and 60%. Less than 50%, you're celebrating. More than 60%, you get concerned. Um, and comparing Monday to Monday, well, that's ridiculous because one Monday was one day, the next Monday was a regular day. So, no, there is nothing minty or fishy or anything about it whatsoever. It's just the way the box office works, especially around that time of year. And, and again, Michael, thank you so much for supporting us yeah, on that right. level, man. Really appreciate it, man, so much. All right, what's next? From Dildar, the glorious. I know it's a shoe-in for Pedro Pascal to be read, but if he ended up being Doom, that still could be awesome. Okay, but I, I keep wanting to ask people this. Why do you think it would be awesome? If Doom is written a certain way, sure. But if it's written a different way, Pedro Pascal could be the worst guy in the world to play it. Look, that's why, for me, it always just comes down to, are you casting talent? And if you're casting talent, that's all I care about. Because I haven't read the script. I don't know how the character reads. I don't know if this person's a good fit or not. But I do know if I think this person's a talented actor or not. Pedro Pascal's one of the best. And whether he's playing Reed Richards or whether he's playing Sue Storm or whether he's playing Dr. Doom, he'll be great. He'll be great. All right. What's next? Oh, okay. For a second, I thought you were voting against Pedro. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Not at all. Oh, all right. Yeah, never mind. No one got the reference. <laughs> oh, I, oh, that was a Napoleon Both Dynamite for, yeah, joke. That, that's so bad. I know. I'll stop. Actually, that was a pretty deep cut joke. That's yeah, actually not bad. I, mean, I, I, know, I know it. All right. What's next? Conor McGregor is Doom. <laughs> from Daniel oh Hey, Fantastic Four! What's it doing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to Nexperia! The mouth actually has to be cut out in that... that. <laughs> <laughs> from Daniel, I'm on the first season of Reacher. The more I watch, the more I'm convinced. Alan Richardson for Guns Batman. Unless Guns Batman, or unless he'd be the worst choice for it. I, I, again, it's the same same thing. He is a prototype Batman. I mean, just physically when you look at him, he's a prototype Batman, uh, no doubt. I, I look. I love him as Reacher, Alan Richson. Love him as Reacher. I don't know. I'm saying he's not. I'm not saying he's not. I'm saying I don't know. I don't know if he's just a good enough actor. To, to, to be the next in line of Christian Bale, Robert Pattinson. Like, can he lead a motion picture with a little bit more of a complex character than, say, Reacher? I just don't know. So while he is physically the template for a human male to play Batman, I, I don't know that he has the acting chops to do it. I, and again, I say I don't know. I'd like to see him in some more stuff before mm -hmm. getting something like that. Yeah. All right, what's next? Reacher boy. Reacher boy <laughs> from Brad Canfield AMC closed theaters here in Indiana citing unexpected repairs think there's more to it yeah they're the company's collapsing it's obvious um I was gonna say ghosts <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> no I don't think there's anything more to it if they're saying <laughs> if, I, I I think it's because if they're listen when movie theaters shut down they announced we're shutting down 
the economics in this area don't work for us anymore. They just come out and say it. I mean, it's part of business. There's no shame in it. Yeah. Uh, so if they're saying that's the reason, then I don't think there's probably anything else to it. I mean, I don't know. I haven't read the actual articles. I don't know what the specifics of the situation are. All I know is this very, very surface information. And based on the surface information, it sounds pretty straightforward to me. All right, what's next? From uh, TJ Barry. Anybody uh, played Pal World, a.k.a. Pokemon with guns? No. Power I World. have Why would you heard. give a Pokemon Wait a, a second. gun? I've just, yeah, I heard of this. This sounds I, World. All the tech YouTube Power channels World. I follow Power are all talking about this game. I just read about this. I, I don't and know. it is a direct ripoff of Pokemon, except a lot more violent. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is a Pokemon with guns. <gasps> yep. But, that, that's <laughs> it's it from the, Oh, I'm down. I'm um, so down. It's funny, too, because one of the. One of the the tech channels I watched, I was talking about this game. They brought up the questions like, we really do need to talk about the basic premise of Pokemon, that we enslave these creatures to fight for us. No, but they learned really like good life skills, though. But they learn good life skills, yeah. yeah. But uh, apparently this thing has taken off. According to the, the report I saw yesterday, it has like second place all time for concurrent people playing the game on Steam. Oh, wow. I think it was only like one of the um, Call of Duty games was like ahead of it or something like that. But mm, everybody is playing this up. game. It I'm sounds, actually thinking I need to try it, it. It sounds like from reading it, it sounds like Fortnite, but with a collecting uh, thing in it, like a mechanism. Yeah, a little bit in of there. Fortnite. In order bit, uh, to get your materials, you have to collect these uh, Pokemon or pals. They call them pals. Yeah. And I don't play well, Fortnite. The, the designs here, just to be clear, you can't have Pikachu with a big gun. Of course. Yeah. They'll design it a little bit different and call him Pokahue or oh, something yeah. like that, right? They'll be different. It's not, you know, open source. Uh, and Nintendo, when asked for for commentary, <laughs> Nintendo said, "We are aware of the situation." <laughs> yeah, there that it graphic is. is great. So we are aware of the situation when we are monitoring it. So I, I, I don't know, but it looks kind of crazy. All right, wow. what's next? Okay. Okay. From uh, Paul Nolan, love True Blood season one so much. I bought the ten Sookie books out 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 at that time. I read them quickly, one after the other. Loved the other seasons too. True Blood is a show I never got into, but I remember going over to my buddy's place. A couple of friends were meeting up there, and I was late. When I got there, some guys and girls, some some of our friends. We're there watching True Blood. It was my first exposure to two, True Blood. You know what was going on? Two Bloods. X. An orgy. Yeah. In a graveyard. Yes. A big. That's where you have them. Butt naked, spanking, <laughs> filthy to the brim, orgy <laughs> going on. I'm like, what are you guys watching? That's why there's gates, like, right? It's, it's True Blood. Yeah. I'm like. Privacy. This is True Blood? First of all, I should probably watch more of this. Second of all. This is really weird that this is my first experience. I don't think I can watch any more of it. I, yeah, it was uh, it was really weird. <laughs> Explain, Chris, please. <laughs> if you have to ask, <laughs> if you have to ask, you've never been to one. Yeah. If you have to ask, you've never been. If to you one. know, you know, right? <laughs> if you know, you know. Right. Where do you go to get this invitation? Do you to go to a liquor store? Right? We established this. <laughs> All right. What's next? From the Everything Entertainment Network, maybe it's me, but I wish the discourse after Oscar noms every year wasn't just a week of complaints about what got snubbed. You Plus, be the change you want in this world. <laughs> because Give us content. Let us have this. Uh, I mean, here's, here's a real thing. I don't think anybody would disagree. Uh, entitlement is up on the internet. What? Internet users' sense of entitlement 
He's got, that means my favorite thing is the thing that should have been nominated. And listen, we all, of course, get that every year. Every year there are things, oh, I would have put this person in that category or, oh, I would have maybe swapped out these two people, put these two people in, but, you know, whatever. But there is a strong sense of entitlement amongst people that I like this movie more. So it's, did you even see the other movies? No, but I don't need to. I know mine was better. Well, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, but you know what? Here's the funny thing, particularly about the Greta Gerwig and the Margot Robbie situation. I keep seeing media outlets trying to make it a big thing, but most people aren't making it a big thing. I think most people just realize, listen, there are 10 nominees for Best Picture and all the directors on all 10 of those films, including Greta Gerwig, did amazing. And the Oscars felt, the director's branch of the Oscars felt five of them happened to do as good or a little bit better than Greta Gerwig happened to. Okay. Listen, Greta Gerwig's still nominated for Best Screenplay. Uh, their movie is still nominated for Best Picture. They've had lots of accolades this award season. But I I'm sorry. Like... Uh, other Look than at Chris, this. This Christopher is the Nolan, of the day. nobody had an ironclad uh, lock on, on those nominations other than Christopher Nolan. I'm shaming this comment. <laughs> You've been <laughs> shamed, sir. Wait, wait, hold on, John. Have the Oscars ever given the uh, award to someone that was, wasn't nominated? <laughs> what do you... Sorry. No. Okay, like a surprise, no, you have nominees, to, a surprise no, winner, you have to be Ed, running. Mike, Bill, Jason, and a Cam. Surprise winner. And the winner is... Mauricio, like no, that has somehow we all voted for someone that wasn't on the list. Yeah. <laughs> off to the graveyard orgy. Yeah, off to the graveyard orgy. Has oh, so. anybody ever won the Oscar when they weren't nominated? That's an interesting question. All right, what's next? I'll look into that. <laughs> From Andy, Netflix borrowed the axe of Zaslav. Also, it's nice to hear that Netflix is losing the rubber because they are going raw on Monday nights. Oh, oh Andy. Wow, Andy. Oh, Andy. Nice. <laughs> you know what? But you may fun. not laugh at it, but it's all, is it comedy? It's like all laugh. They're very intelligent. It's a very intelligent comedy, right? No, Andy's quick. Yeah. All right, what's next? From uh, Mason Thurmond. After watching HB's Bruised, I got, I say good on Netflix. I don't know what HB is, and I don't HB's know what. Watching HBB's Bruise, I see. And guys, be a little bit more specific when you're writing in. All right, what's next? From Andy again. I want a disaster artist too, but based on the production of it, Fast and Furious. <laughs> it have some drama. I'd love to see how that franchise became so absurd with each film. For those who haven't seen The Disaster Artist, which is, of course, a movie kind of chronicling the legendary production of The Room. Featuring Aaron Cummings. I, I remember I was in the Anna and I were in theaters watching The Disaster Artist, and all of a sudden Aaron Cummings comes on screen. I did no idea she was even in it. That's happened to me so many times with Aaron. Like I'd be sitting at home watching what was one of my favorite shows at the time, The Blacklist. And I'm watching The Blacklist, and who's the main guest star this week? Oh, it's Aaron Cummings. And I'm like, how did you not tell me you're in the blacklist? She goes, Oh, I thought I mentioned it to you. And we come out of the theater of this thing. How did you not tell me you're in the disaster artist? Oh, that was so long ago that I shot that. I forgot. Or like uh, I haven't all the time. All right, what's next? From uh, Raph, knowing the writers of M writers for Madam Web wrote Morbius and Gods of Egypt, there is no way in hell it'll be good. What? I feel like Sony really? don't care what writers they hire. Well, give me okay. Hold on a second. They're Here's consistent. The um, because every writer has better and worse things that they've written. 
Just because they wrote something great doesn't mean everything they've done is great. And just because they wrote something bad doesn't mean everything they've done is bad. So let me open up here. The writers for... Adam Webb. If I can find the writers. Okay. I'm going to go with Matt Sazima. Yeah, sounds good. Who wrote... Morbius, Lost in Space, the TV series, which was actually pretty good. A long time ago. No, 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 not the there 60s. Like, I'm talking about the one that was on Netflix. Oh, okay. That was actually that was pretty good. Uh, yep, did Gods of Egypt. Wah, wah. The Last Witch Hunter. Wah, wah. And Dracula Untold. So, my, my hope for this movie has dropped a little bit. I like Dracula Untold. Did I wait? Did I? No, I don't think you did. Was that with Luke Evans? Yes. yes, it was. I feel like you probably liked it because Logan liked it, and you guys have the same. I taste. like. I liked it yeah. there for sure. I like Dracula Dead and loving it. I mean, that's, that's so solid Morbius, choice. Power Rangers, Gods of Egypt, The Last Witch Hunter, and Dracula. But they did write Lost in Space, which was a pretty damn good show. Okay, so three. I got. Well, if you say Lost, it's in one Space, good like, one to four bad ones, and also the other one that you said. I Last liked Witch too. Hunter, Power Rangers. Oh, Power Rangers. Yeah. That, that's the newest movie, right? Yeah, I didn't hate that Power Rangers movie. I actually movie. liked it. I had, I had no yeah, key time yeah. with that. All right. Yeah, anyway. yeah. But yeah, a lot of bad a lot of bad stuff on there. Hey, how, wait, somebody explain to me. Somebody explain to me. How the person who wrote The Last Witch Hunter, Gods of Egypt, Morbius, keeps getting work. <laughs> I mean, if they're writing the a good one and then a bad one and then a good one and then a... But they've got like one good thing on their credits here, which is Lost in Space. Again, very good show. I liked it very much. But how does this person keep getting work? I know so many writers that never get a break who are... Maybe who did he has not a discount deal with Sony. Discount. Get seven for one. Five for go. one. Oh, seven for one. There a you charming go. Charming personality. Nepotism. Patriarchy. Yeah, I don't know. Any of those. <laughs> but I know other male writers. Why won't the patriarchy work for them? Feminism. <laughs> yeah, feminist. Um, <laughs> All right. That day. What's next? It's the WGA. The WGA. Oh, my God, bro. Why would you give the internet that? I know. WGA. Stop using Why your power of WGA. puns WGA. <laughs> Why WGA? Uh, Furious. You're right, right, right there. What's next? <laughs> That's not even close to a G, but From it works. I love it. Do you think that if The Last Airbender is successful, will more streamers and movie studios look to anime for big projects? Okay, first of all, because somebody's in the chat, going to say this in the chat, Avatar is an anime. For all intents and purposes, we understand what each other, everyone means here, right? Are they going to yeah. go to more of these kinds of stories for this? I understand it's a Western animated series. Yeah. I just want to put that out there before some of you lose your minds. Um, <laughs> Not necessarily. I mean, look, first of all, a lot of people will still bring up Cowboy Bebop. Okay, that, whatever. One Piece was a surprising success. Mm -hmm. um, I had no interest in that, and I actually thoroughly enjoyed One Piece. I had a really good time with it. Looking forward to season two if they ever get around to it. Um, so there's that. But listen, one big hit does not an entire movement make, and one big bomb does not an entire movement kill. So it will take more than this. But look, one of the realities is this. as it's, it, This has always been the case even before the streaming era. But it's even more so now with the streaming era. Production companies are starving for IP. They are starving for IP. And you're running out of places to get it. So as soon as a couple of video game movies work, you're seeing a whole bunch more video game stuff get, getting into production. And what's left? 
anime stuff. Mm-hmm. They'll 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 try with anime. So I I think listen, it's inevitable because there is such a famine for IP amongst all the production companies. So it's inevitable. It, it'll happen, whether or not Avatar is good. So, all right, what's next? From b- b- oh, from Devin, good Canadian kid Ryan Reynolds with a gun in Power World. Is that because he was in Detective Pikachu? Did somebody uh, actually put that there, in there? Or, yeah, I'll look it up. That would be funny if they did. I'll, I'll look and see if there's any images. But All right, what's next? From Daddy Logan. Hey. Hey, Daddy Logan's here. Well, don't have me say that on, on air. Uh, Planet of the Apes fact. Jason Clark's character from Dawn is killed by Woody Harrelson's character from War, revealed in a deleted scene. Oh. Okay. I was in a deleted scene. It doesn't really, it's not real. That's always been my prep. If something's in a deleted scene, it's not actually real. But that is interesting nonetheless. All right, what's next? From We Fly the W, John, new Roadhouse trailer, your thoughts? Will it be as memorable a film as the original? I hope it's good. It doesn't need to be as good as the original. Okay? It doesn't need to be as good as the original. Just be good. Um, listen, the original is one of those rare films that people talked about for have talked about for two, two and a half generations now. Everybody knows Roadhouse. Is this movie going to be the same thing? Are we going to be talking about the Jake Gyllenhaal Roadhouse 25 years from now? Maybe yes, maybe no, but I don't really care if it's as good as the original. I just want it to be good. As long as it's good, I'm okay. Pardon me. All right, what's next? From Black Adder. Oh, good handle. Hi, John and crew. With James Gunn confirming J.J. Abrams' Superman movie is still in development, do you think the movie will actually happen? Yeah, for those of you who didn't hear about this, that J.J. Abrams' Superman movie that he had been working on, it, it, that James Gunn confirmed it's still in development. Really? Yeah. I do not believe it'll actually happen. Is now, supposed, just give it to Netflix. Is it supposed to be like an Elseworlds? Yes. Or? Okay. Yeah, with okay. a different... What? What's? What's? It's not Kal-El, it's... Something else. It's a black Superman that's from the comics. It's from a different Earth. Okay. Not as versed in DC um, as I am in Marvel. Yeah, so there is, for those of you who didn't know, in the comics, there is a black Superman uh, oh, that's okay, called, okay. Um, well, in the TV show, it was Val Zod. But I think in the comics, it's, it's something, I think it's something L. But at, at any rate, could be wrong about that. Um, the only way I could see this still actually happening is if James Gunn and Warner Brothers are kind of looking at it, it's like, you know, we're having really good success with our Elseworlds brand. Joker was a billion-dollar film. We're doing a sequel. The Batman was a big hit for us. And maybe they they want to continue to expand and look into their Elseworlds stuff. So maybe they will. But if I had to put five bucks on it, my guess would be they will not. All right, what's next? Oh, wrong one. There you oh, go. Thanks. From Amin, got my ticket to the Dune 2 early fan screening on February 25th. Cannot wait. Nice. Yeah, I had another one of our viewers write in and say they got that too. Like somebody's going to the uh, uh, Regal at the Irvine Spectrum for an advanced Ooh, fan screening. Wow. That's a great theater. I yeah, I got to see if I can find tickets. Ray, uh, find yeah, me tickets. Fairly far advanced. Right. I was at Talk the Chinese please. Theater last night. I saw the re-release of Dune 1 in IMAX. And um, and they showed us a, 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 oh, a scene where he first rides the sandworm in uh, for Dune Two, it was r- really good what they showed us. So I'm now, excited. I really wanted to take and it that. was packed. But for those who don't know, my does everything wife, uh, she teaches a university class on Wednesday nights. It's it's weird. She takes a university. She teaches a university class on Wednesday nights and then takes her 
doctorate classes on Thursday nights. So it's uh, anyway. All right, what's oh next? Oh my gosh, Anne, could you just like stop? I know. <laughs> <laughs> or give me one of those. Yeah. <laughs> give me one of those. Hook it up. Hook it up, family. He's exhausted hearing about Hook it. Hook it up, fam. From Dominic, I don't think the current market can support as many streamers as there are. Down the line, I think the most profitable model is four or five big streamers with the other studios licensing their content out. Yeah, that's kind of been the, yeah. the general consensus for a while. It's, that, it's, I think that, it's leading that way. Yeah, that eventually it will pare down. We'll have three, four, or five big streamers, studios licensing content to them, uh, and probably some of those studios that are licensing content. Listen, it's always more profitable to be the arms dealer than the country in the war. Always more profitable to be the arms dealer than the country in the war. So like a studio like Sony, without its own um, streaming service, they've contented themselves to be, we'll be the arms dealers. We'll make content and sell it to the, those who want to be in the streaming game. So yeah, I think eventually that's what it'll boil down to. All right, what's next? Okay, actually this one had popped through. So Rudy and- Oh, then, Rudy. And then, yeah, I missed that Hi, one. guys, have you seen Hasbun Hotel? I love it. We I talked a about a couple of people before. bring it up. I, yeah. I've never heard of it. A few people have brought it up, but mm -hmm. I still don't really know I still haven't it. watched it. I, I know it's an animated of thing. It. Yeah. Right, it looks okay. really cute and it's about demons getting reformed in hell. Wow. Which like, that's my jam. All right, what's next? All right. From Jay Superboy. Uh, hey, John, love the introduction of Hades in Percy Jackson. He gives, I'm just chilling, bro, vibes. And I bet he knows how to sit on a toilet seat, John. <laughs> Keep it filthy. Uh, listen, I, I continue you to be yesterday. charmed by this Percy Jackson show. Oh, it's delightful. It's, it's so good. And you know what I really like? They, what they decided to do was, <clears throat> instead of doing post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, they give a, a, a really good, meaty look at the next episode. Mm -hmm. That's that's really well cut with music and everything to it, and it's very satisfying. And I just I is is next week the finale? I think so because that should be our eighth episode, right? I think so. Is it eight episodes? Is that what the show is going to be? Eight? I think I'm making an assumption because it's right. Disney. But Jay Duplass killed it. I thought he was such a great Hades. Really enjoyed him. All right, what's next? Uh, uh, sorry, here we go. Red One Real Talk. Uh, has a show or film taken such a sharp turn that it sent you into an absolute tizzy from the disappointment of its change? Asking because I used to adore Young Justice, but then the third season came along and totally stained my love for the show. Um, I can't really think of a show. That's I, One movie that really did that for me was the Adam Sandler, I think it was called Click, All right. where he's got the remote. Right. That was two totally different movies. Like the first half of the movie is one kind of movie. And then it just totally becomes something else completely. And it kind of took me out of it. I mean, there are a lot of shows that eventually you just run out of steam on. Like I ran out of steam with Walking Dead after however many seasons that I watched. But that's not like it suddenly took a really big turn and it just lost me. So, yeah, I can't really think. Oh, you know what? Stargate. Because once MacGyver left, and it's like, now there's this new guy as the lead guy. It, it, I, I'm sure the new guy was great, but it's like, it's not the same show to me anymore. And I kind of backed out. Anyway, there was that. All right, what's next? From CJ Rebirth, last film of 2023 was The Color Purple. Absolutely loved it. One of the year's best films. And like Wonka, the songs were great. Yeah. Also finally saw Past Lives a few days ago. We need more Andrews in the world. And had no idea the main actress voices uh, uh, Lila in Spider-Verse. 
that movie is so good. It's not a huge crowd movie, um, but it's just such a, it's a tender movie. It's a tender movie and it's just so well done. Um, and so it deserves all the accolades that it's getting. Uh, what was the other one? Oh yeah. And color purple was great. I, I it wasn't as good as I kind of thought it would be coming out of CinemaCon, because when we were coming out of CinemaCon, I thought this is going to be a top three movie of the year. It's very good. It's very good. But I, you know, it wasn't a top 10 for me. All right, let's take two more. What's next? From Zen Quantum, with a speculation about a new Jurassic World, it seems like the only place left to go is to cross the dinos over with the Fast and Furious crew. Hmm. They could go full gimmick, teaming up to rescue a clutch of velociraptor eggs from an evil corporate villain. No, honestly... I, I honestly think the way they go is that it's now a few years later and it, it becomes like Pokemon. You know, in the world of Pokemon, you just understand that humans live in a world. They have to coexist with Pokemon. Pokemon are there. Um, I think they go that we just have to now understand we live in a world where dinosaurs are here. And, you know, just like you wonder... Like when I'm up at the Campia Ranch, I wonder if we'll see some deer as we walk through the back bush and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I wonder if we'll see a triceratops as we walk through the back bush. And of course, the phrase that kicks off kicks off every movie. Then something goes wrong. Uh, so that'll that'll probably be it. I think that's the only thing I can think of that's left to go. Anyway. Last question of the day. What's next? From Jai CSC. What's a movie that you watched that made you immediately want to speak to a specific person, family, friends, etc., and check in on how they are? Oh, that's a sweet question. There have been, I mean, that's a very good question. Exorcist. There have been many movies, wow. particularly about family, that's made me want to then pick up the phone and call my mom. Um, I've had... Uh, movies happen where I've, I've thought of a particular friend and dropped a note to a friend or something like that. Uh, a big one to me <coughs> was Clerks 2. Uh, Clerks 2 was a movie that came out during a period of my life when I was trying to make a decision about staying where the people I loved were or leaving to go somewhere to further my career. And then I went to see Clerks 2, and it just so happens that that's kind of the main premise of that movie. So I kind of came out and made me want to call the people in my life and blah, blah, blah. But that's a really good question. What about you, Chris? You got any that jumps up to you that that have done that for you? I'm trying to think. I can't think of one right now. Interstellar, baby. Yeah. Interstellar could be one, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm at a loss. All right. Well, it's a good though. question to end on. So, guys, that'll do it. For today's installment of the John Campy Show podcast, thank you so much for being here, making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions. Number one, because you gave us fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so very much for your support. I want to thank the people in the room with me, Mr. Ray Aura. Right. See ya. Jonathan Voico. See you guys. Chris Carr. Bye. My name's John Campy. Thanks so much for being here. And until next time, my friends... I'm not going to say it. Bye-bye. <laughs>